Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. It's me and Joe. You know, we're the guys who usually host this. I'm Matt. He's Joe. Uh, I wanted to to get a chance to introduce Joe before I go on anything else. So, Joe, what have you been doing this weekend? Uh, not a whole lot of anything aside from doing some reading, some very important reading. So cool. cool. Um, as for myself, I've I've actually been trying to catch up on sleep and failing miserably i haven't slept in like four days but um we're gonna do this podcast as we usually do before we do it however i wanted to take a little bit of time to address stuff that's been going on not just in the wow community uh not just in the gaming community but across multiple communities basically across culture right now and we're seeing a lot of people coming forward with stories of abuse and harassment in their various fields or industries or whatever word you want to use. Uh, we see it in, in top-end rating guilds. Uh, Method, if you know who Method are, have had a big, big series of reveals about key members of their leadership. Uh, other guilds are getting similar reports. There are people talking about working in gaming and having harassment and you know abuse directed at them most of this is sexual harassment and sexual abuse by men towards women got to be upfront about that uh i'm not this isn't going to be the subject of the show because i do not feel qualified to speak about it i'd rather just take a moment and try and elevate the voices of the people who are actually making the reports uh which is something that we're still thinking about how we would do going forward but i didn't want to ignore it because you can't really talk about gaming right now in any way without talking about what's going on in gaming and that's one of the things that is going on it's widespread people are coming forward and it needs to be listened to and addressed we need to do better and have people who do this kind of abuse and even if you think well i don't do that kind of thing so i got nothing to worry about you kind of do because it's your it's your life if this stuff is happening to people in your life in the things that you you know they your hobbies and your passions you need to look at it and you need to do more than just stand there and say well i didn't do anything you need to do something you need to do something positive if that's you know confronting people that you see abusing others if it's listening to people as they try and tell you what's going on we all need to look at that and, and improve at it. So I'm going to let Joe talk a little bit now because I've been talking for like a minute and a half here. I don't really have much to add because I, everything that's been happening has been hard. Not because of... of 
it's hard to explain. Like I, I, we all need to do better about this. I've been in guilds where they've cared about this stuff and guilds where they didn't. I've watched some of this stuff go down firsthand. I've had to help people out of some situations like this. Uh, there are stories that I could tell about past certain conventions that I had to step in uh, or that I've heard horror stories about and we need to do better. And it's not just listening to people, right? It's more than that. It's acting. It's doing what we need to do to keep each other safe in our, our spaces. Uh, I love, we used to talk about the term about self-policing and, and this is across all industries. If people don't stand up, people who perpetrate these acts keep going. So I just want to see us continue to be better about this and actually do things to stop what's happening. Not just be silent, not be complicit, but actually take things seriously, do what needs to be done, and above all else, be decent human beings. So... Uh, anything more than that, I'm probably going to start cursing, so I think I, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to say one more thing, and then we'll move on. It's also time for a lot of people, or a lot of men out there, to really look at how you not just react, but how you act. And mm -hmm. nobody's perfect, and we've all done something in our lives we regret. I have done things in my life that I look back on and wish I hadn't done. You can still improve what you do and how you act. Even if you're not doing anything as egregious as what these people are saying. Maybe you tell the occasional joke you don't see as a big deal. Maybe you you know, you just you, you just laugh nervously when you see something going on. It's time to, to stop that. It's time to look at how you act and improve it. So yeah, that's pretty much it from us. We're not not gonna belabor it we're not going to try to talk about it too much uh, it's, it's pretty easy for for me to sit up here and talk about these things when when i you know as i've said before i'm a six foot two 260 pound very cis presenting white guy and it's super easy for me to talk because i'm not the one who's getting harassed by and large so at that point, we're going to move on and, and talk about some stuff that's a little bit less awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, if, 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 if anything else, we can all try and do better. So, all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of hard to move, switch gears, but uh, we're going to do our best. Uh, it would probably help if I had the email open in front of me, but... I may have forgotten to do that, so yeah, uh, I'll do that now because I can, and since I'm the one that sent the email, you'd think I'd remember it, but sometimes I manage not to. Uh, but we're going to talk about one thing because it's pretty easy to talk about. Uh, WoW Classic is now in Phase 5. It starts in July. If you're wondering what that means, it basically means Encourage and the event to open the gates of Encourage is coming to WoW Classic. Uh, this also means that the Dragon of Nightmare have been up for a little bit, so you, hopefully you've been farming them for Nature Resist gear, because you are going to need Nature Resist gear. Oh, yeah. And one, some pieces of, of Nature Resist gear from original WoW are not in the game yet, because they are Nexramus drops, or Nexramus crafted recipes. Although there is a ton of Moradon, and uh, oh, yeah. I want to say Dire Maul had a bunch back then? Dire Maul had some. Uh, you basically, would, what you'd do is you'd run Dire Maul, you'd run Stratholm. Yep, Strath. Because there were, there were pieces in, in Strath. Mm -hmm. And there was also the stuff on the Dragons of Nightmare. Uh, which, which actually, the stuff on the Dragons of Nightmare was the best stuff to get, but it was Correct. relatively limited. And then and as difficult. you pointed out, Maradon. But there's pieces, there's quite a few pieces, especially crafted pieces, that were put into the game with Nexramus, which is technically the patch that WoW Classic runs on. Those pieces are not going to be available until Nexramus actually comes out, because those pieces were catch-up pieces. Mm -hmm. 
those pieces existed. So guilds that were that for whatever reason were were progressing in Nexramas but hadn't gone all the way through AQ yet, and that's not uncommon because if you got unlucky on on Nature Resist, Huhuran was a nightmare, like a straight up nightmare. Doing Huhuran without Nature Resist was just grueling, punishing, awful, and so they put in those pieces. Those pieces will not be in the game until Nax comes out. That's just so they can keep things as close to the way it progressed in live as possible. Now, keep in mind, while Classic has already put out content faster than they did in a actual original WoW, uh, while Classic has only been around, I think, since what? BlizzCon 2019? A little before that? A little before that, I think, yeah. But in that time, it's progressed through two years of content almost. So they are going faster in terms of release of content than they did the first time. Partially because they can, they, they have to test it, make sure it runs, but at least it, it's all been designed already. Uh, I, I don't know, I feel very nostalgic about this particular patch because this is the first time that things have caught up to where I was in. We, I came into raiding in, in, in original WoW right around the time that Blackwing Lair mm -hmm. came out. So for me, BWL was when I first cut my teeth on progression rating, and AQ 20 and 40 are where I first stepped up to do main tanking. And I was actually a progression tank. I wasn't just in the guild, you know, as we progressed. I was stepping up to lead raids. So for me, this is a very nostalgic moment. I remember very much doing the, the, the you know, bringing the gong and getting my, we tried to get our Guildmaster Scarab Lord. I don't remember if we actually got it for him or not. I think we did, because I think he had the mount. Uh, but yeah, what, what, do you have any, like, positive memories of this time? Oh, yeah, this was, this was back when I was, like, at the, the height of my, I played the game way too much. Uh, I was in a, a top tier rating guild back in Zul'jin, uh, and we spent a whole lot of time uh, doing everything leading up to this point, and it was a guild initiative, um, not just a server initiative. We had a couple guilds that we were friendly with that were also all working towards it, and we sort of had, like, and I remember distinctly, we had, like, this meeting of, like, the officers from all three of the guilds, because we were, like, this, we were all in competition with each other, and we sat down and we were like, look, only one of us, one of us from one of our guilds is going to get this scepter. It, let's decide who it's going to be now and just, you know, pull all of our efforts and move that way. And it was important to me because it was the first time, and I think the only time, uh, that I remember all of the competitive guilds on Zul'jin literally sitting down and having a civil conversation about, we all know we can't get this, and it'll take forever if we don't, and we all want to start raiding real soon, uh, so let's pool our efforts. And it was really interesting, and I, I have a lot of fond memories of this. I also have a lot of fond memories of cra the world server crashing because the event was so massive. It was the first time they had ever done something that big, uh, and the amount of players that were participating and pulling mobs, because I remember the... Um, I think it was obelisks, if I remember right, that would pop up like all over the place, and you pulled like massive packs of these things, and they were like old Titan Guardians that we didn't know were Titan Guardians at the time. Uh, but, like, you, they, there was just so much going on that the server was not stable at all. Uh, and I remember when the, the gong finally sounded and the gates finally opened, like, there was just, like, this sense of epic accomplishment that I had not felt in any other game. So I have a lot of fond memories of this patch. I have a lot of fond memories of leading up to the, the gates opening. Uh, and yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited people will get to play this. Yeah. Well, one thing I will point out to you is when we're doing this, when you are doing this in WoW Classic, if you don't end up on a boat that is in the middle of the Stone Talon Mountains, <laughs> then you are not getting the full experience. And when I say on a boat in the middle of the mountains, I mean, literally your guild gets yep. on a boat to go over and instead of going to the place where your boats go, you are literally on a boat or in the middle of the mountains. 
if you if you're on a <laughs> you're thinking, well, no, this will be okay because I'm Horde. We'll be nope. using a we'll be using a dirigible or an airship. Nope, you will end up on an airship stuck in the mountains. It will happen to you. You will have no idea why or how to fix it because there's no way to fix it. Or 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 wind up dying and then uh, your body gets shunted to an entire entire new zone on the opposite continent because it can't handle the sheer volume of how many people are dying. So there is a there used to be a buffer overflow where after a certain point after X number of dead bodies it picked a random zone to put you in. Let me put you this way, horde players. I'm talking specifically to horde players now. You are not you are not aware of what's going to happen to you. What's going to happen to you is you're going to die for no reason because yep. the boat just vanished. You're going to like re, you're like, like oh god, we fell out of the the airship, we we died. You'll release and then you will just be alive in Westfall. Yep. With a whole bunch of alliance attacking you because I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know if you'll get flagged. Sometimes they did, however, because Westfall, I don't believe, was contested. But I saw this. I saw Horde players just showing up and getting destroyed. Maybe I was on a PvP server at the time. I don't know how it's going to go for you, but you will definitely pop up on Westfall. And you'll be like, why are we in Westfall? And the Horde, you'll be wondering, some of the Alliance players, why, why aren't the Alliance players coming back here when they die? Because they're popping up on Razor Hill. This will happen to you. And and quite frankly, you should welcome it because it is the original experience. If you want the original experience, these things have to happen. If if the Blizzard team actually makes this run smoothly, they will have cheated you <laughs> out of something pr primal and pivotal to the WoW experience. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is Diablo 4. Because they got the latest quarterly update, the most recent one dropped last week, uh, just after we did the show last week. Obviously, because that's that's what Blizzard does now. They, they wait. New stuff. We're, we're on to you. We know what's happening, Blizzard. But uh, it's actually pretty cool. They they talked about how they're doing playtesting. There's currently an entire zone that is essentially up, and they are running it. That's that's they're doing the in-game tests in that zone. Uh, and they, they've tested it out pretty effectively. There's screenshots of their pre-alpha and so forth that they released. Um, they've been testing the horses and mounts that they've got uh, on, in Diablo 4. That's one of the things that's new to Diablo 4 is that you actually get a mount and ride around on the, the giant open world. And they talk about how the open world's going to work. It's not going to feel like an MMO. That's important. Uh, when you are playing Diablo 4, most of the time you'll be alone. You won't see a ton of players, and you won't see them while you're doing quests and progressing the story. You'll occasionally see them, like if there's a giant world boss that's out and about in the world, you can see them there. Like the, the, suddenly there will be some players there helping helping take it down. You don't need to join a group with those players. All the all the giant world bosses are just if you help kill it, you get something. There's no, you don't have to join a group. You don't have to be part of a group with anybody else. It's nothing like that. Force grouping is not a very Diablo feeling. Yeah, like it's it's a bleak world. You shouldn't be seeing like a whole ton of people every time you go out. And my dogs agree. Yes, they do. Those dogs don't want to be in your group. Don't they? Don't want to be in the group. They don't want to be in that group at all. But no, it, it's actually very interesting. Uh, we, we did a post about it. Um, I think it was Liz. Uh, yeah, Liz Pratt put it up for us. And it, it's really, it sounds like they're working pretty hard to make this still feel like Diablo mm -hmm. while it's got that open world feeling, which I think is a good move. We'll see how it actually plays out. Uh, that's, that's one of the problems with all this kind of stuff is it's, right now it's just them telling us about it. Uh, we can't see it. There's no alpha test for it at the moment. I don't think it's even close to being ready for an alpha test. No. They are currently very much in the team play tests. They 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 did one of the things they did that was actually pretty cool was they actually showed off the block out, like how the initial maps what they look like, and then as they add more detail to them, this is what it looks like as they do that. They did a couple of, of screenshots of that, which is really fascinating. Um, because you, you see at one point, the game world looks very smooth. Because there's not a lot of texturing or detailing to anything. So everything looks extremely smooth. It's one of those things you don't really ever see in a finished game. So that was pretty cool. Um, 
They talk about how in-game, in-game cinematics are going to work. And that's something we saw at BlizzCon. And that's basically, unlike, unlike a lot of Diablo games before, when you go into an in-game cinematic, your character is like taken in fully into the cinematic and is a moving part of it. So like when you design your character on the character creation screen and you like choose their hairstyle and their face and all that stuff, that comes into the cinematic. You see that character that you're playing do the stuff in the cinematic. Which and is, so it's it, that's real hmm. good and that's something that I mean that's that's like uh wow level cinematic like so It's actually a little bit from what I remember probably from, better. From yeah, what I remember from BlizzCon 2019 it's actually significantly better in terms of like how it integrates now, and that's not me dogging on how wow does it it's just it, they they've designed it from the beginning to work that way so it, it it's more smooth it's more fluid but it's really interesting how how they're going to be doing those using those ingredient cinematics more to make your character feel like part of the story um and so i, I just want to recommend you go look at it we have an article up on the site about it uh it talks about one of the things they want is that your character's actions in quote unquote saving the world are supposed to unlock things in the game as you go. Mm-hmm. Like if you save a village, that village is then available to be a hub for stuff later. Um, and it makes world changes. It changes like, okay, we've stopped these like, you know, drowned monsters from coming out of the sea and eating people. Now this place is less, you know, they're less harassed because the, the things that come out of the CD people aren't doing that anymore. So, the world will change in that fashion. It's kind of similar to, if you remember, um, Horizon Zero Dawn with the bandit camps. Okay, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. You, you go into a bandit camp and you you beat the bandits and you take the place over and it would turn into like an actual place where, where like people lived. It was like an actual village where you could sell goods and so forth and, and participate. It's similar to that basic idea, except you know now it becomes a place where like you can actually see players in the world there now that you've defeated the evil and saved this village, now it's an open part of the open world. And you can see players there. That I think is interesting. Because it unlocks the open world nature of the game as you progress through it. Which I think is a good touch. Because it doesn't force you to feel like you're starting in an open world. It doesn't, it doesn't prevent you from having that first person or third person, depending on how you look at it. I think it's it's a third person game, really. The character's mm-hmm. right there on the screen. But it doesn't prevent you from having that single player experience. It just means that once you're done with your single player experience, the world now becomes more open and you can now have multiplayer. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff to this feedback that they, they, they've done with the, uh, the quarterly release that they talked about. It doesn't, you know, again, we don't know a ton because the game is not even closed out. But I'm looking forward to it, and I do think it's it's cool that they've talked about these things. Uh, it definitely looks like Joe's more a technical guy than I am. It looks like the technical requirements of this game are going to be crazy. Uh, likely, um, I don't know. Well, I don't know about crazy because if you look at some of the stuff they've been putting out recently, like even look at Heroes of the Storm, and and I know people like to write that game off, but that game's pretty. Uh, the character design, the character models in it are very well done. And I think it's a good example of seeing how uh, the technology can uh, accommodate a pretty high poly count character for something that generally isn't as in your face as an MMO is uh, and something that can look very, very pretty. Um, The requirements will probably be a little bit higher than what Diablo three was, but probably not much. Um, I'm what I'm more curious about is how much of an accommodation they're going to make uh, for or how much of the requirements going to be for modern day graphics cards like current generation versus previous generations like the 2070s, 2080s and and that whole line and the new line of Radeons uh, that are out there. uh, If they're going to really, really, really press and take advantage of those processors on those graphics cards and how much different the game's going to look on those compared to older ones. Cause a lot of times, and that, that's the thing you have to keep in mind too, is a lot of times when we're seeing, uh, cinematic screenshots, or, uh, s- small gameplay things of these games, their test rigs are usually r- super high end. So I'm really curious to see if it's going to look that well, look that good on slightly older machines. Cause you know, again, I don't, people have all sorts of different things. 
So I don't know. But uh, the technical requirements, I think it, it shouldn't be massive. It'll probably just be a little bit higher than Diablo 3, if I had a hazard, I guess. And Matt is either there or not there. I'm here. Sorry. I, again, pushed <laughs> the wrong button. Uh, anyway, let's talk about the last thing we have to talk about because it's pretty big. Um, on the alpha, one of the things I deliberately didn't load into this week, the Maw intro experience is now up. And we're not going to talk a ton about it because, A, that's more lore-watchy, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, B, there is no way I can talk about it without spoiling the crap out of it and while i don't mind spoiling things uh i i mean i mind doing it when people don't want it i don't mind doing a post here this is full of spoilers about this thing so people can decide if they want to read those or not like i like to warn people right up front and so i don't want to tell you right now okay come back in 10 minutes or however long it's going to take so instead of doing that we'll just mention that it happened there's a lot of lore implications to it i definitely think it's pretty good I enjoyed it. I, I wrote a somewhat snarky re- review of it because it, it, it is big and it's complicated. And I decided to take a little tongue-in-cheek approach to it just because it is. It reminds me a little bit of the Warlords of Draenor opening experience, which we have not had since. I mean, we had the Legion lead up, which also sort of felt that way. We didn't have one in Battle for Azeroth, I don't think. I don't count the the invasion of Undercity because Undercity felt like the one-two punch after what happened in Teldrassil. This feels like a much more united experience, and and it's very much it it definitely is of a piece with both the Legion and Battle for not yeah both the Warlords and Legion ones, but it's better. And one of the reasons it's better is if you feel more important to it. For one reason, I mean, and it yeah. also, I mean, have you gotten to play it yet or at all, or did you just read the post? I read the post. I'm not in the alpha, so I can't, I yeah. can't play anything. Yeah. Uh, it, and, and it, I was going to mm-hmm. say, it's, it's something that I, I've been talking about for a long time is that the, the starting experience for an expansion, the more we as players feel important to it, I think the better tone gets set for that expansion and it's sort of been escalating. So it was nice to read that we feel important here still in this experience. Cause I was actually a little bit worried about that, that with the gravity of everything that's going on and with some of the names involved that we wouldn't feel as important or as engaged or as central. So it's nice. It's nice. It's a nice thing to hear. Yeah, it is. It is definitely a better. It, not better. Better isn't the right word. It's it's a more centralized start, in my opinion, than than Battle for Azeroth was. Battle for Azeroth doesn't. You don't really feel like you're the important part. You're just there taking part in the attack, and it's like, look what happened with Sorfang. Look what happened with you know this character. Look what happened. Who hears Jaina? Whereas people pop up in this. There are people. There are names you're going to recognize. They're 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 in there, but you're the one doing things. And that's, I think, good. I think that's a that's a good change. Um, and also, it doesn't feel it's, you know, one of the things you get in Battle for Azeroth is you get the necklace. You're the big hero. You have the heart of Azeroth. In lore, one person's got that thing. Yeah. But well, in it's this like, game, it's like the same thing with the, artif- game, the artifacts from Legion, right? Like it's yeah, that's true too. Yeah, there's one there's one battle lord, and you're playing that character. If you're playing the 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 bat if you're like a playing a warrior you are the battle lord if you're playing a death knight you're the death lord if you're playing a paladin you you pick the wrong class uh sorry paladins yeah i had to pick i had to pick on somebody um could have picked on hunters really yeah i could have picked on hunters more it's you know it's not like i'm married to a 20 year however long many long years it's been hunter player or anything <laughs> i should totally pick on hunters more at any rate it, in this, it, it simultaneously feels like you're more important, but also you're you're not the center of everything because you're not the singular. You know, there's multiple people who did what you did. There's multiple people who got in and out of the maw. And I don't feel like that's that's a big spoiler to tell you that you get in and out of the maw because that is the premise of the entire. Yeah, I mean, they, they told you that on day one. <laughs> but in general, yeah, I think 
it's an interesting intro. I, I really did enjoy it. I, I've, I liked it quite a bit. I've, I, I, I had a little fun with it because certain characters kind of need a little assassin, but yeah, I, I, and I was actually really glad to see the characters I got to see. Um, one in particular is somebody I've been wondering about for a while, and I was really glad to see him do some stuff. It was it was good to see him kind of promoted to I am a frontline leader of my faction. I am important. Uh, so yeah, that was really cool. At this point, though, I feel like that's all we can do without really dumping a ton of spoilers on you. So we're going to move on to do some emails. Uh, if you have an email for the show or a question for the show, we have multiple ways for you to get them to us. Uh, we used both emails and our Discord for this one. Uh, if you've got a question, though, you can you can either send it to the Q, the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel on our, our Discord, or you can send us an email at blizzardwatch, you know, podcast at blizzardwatch.com, uh, subject line podcast or blizzardwatch, so we know it's for the show. Or you can do what people do and say, it's for either show, and then Joe and I get to a pit. And that music from Star Trek starts playing, and you know, eventually I get injected with a drug that makes it look like I passed out. And Joe's like, "I got the question, but this is ashes in my mouth. I will do neither." And and then you know he comes back up to the ship, and it turns out I'm still alive because you know that's what happened. So uh, what we're saying also, is, keep doing it because it's fun. Yeah, yeah, keep doing it, and and you know eventually Joe's not going to fall for the injection one of these weeks, but we'll see. Every week he seems to. It's it's kind of interesting. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Joe, go ahead and read them for you, don't mind. Absolutely. Our first question comes from Roxy. Uh, it is I, Roxy, aka Padilla, from Hygel, US, and the uh, and the Q with a question about female Mogu. Eight point three introduced two new female Mogu. NPCs Solux, uh, Barrack General, and General Zing of the Rajani. And Miss Pandaria, we were explicitly told that the Mogu had removed uh, had removed their females from existence, finding them unnecessary after learning to reverse engineer the Curse of Flesh to turn stone to life. The twin consorts were explicit explained as being more of a trophy to Lei Shen than anything else. Where do these two Lady Mogu come from, and what do they mean for the story at large, i.e. Mogu Allied Race 1? Um, well, first off, there were there were Mogu before, as you've pointed out. When they, the the idea that they removed them because they were unnecessary is propaganda. Mm-hmm. The queen of the Mogu got removed because she ticked off Li Shen, and it looks an awful lot like Li Shen then took it out on all Mogu. And we also, decided, I was gonna say, we also didn't have dealings with like the Rajani back then either, so we didn't know their other Mogu at the time, right? Yeah, the Rajani are, I mean, we, we knew other Mogu in that most of the Mogu united under Li Shen. The Rajani did not. The Rajani remained loyal to uh, to Raden. So it's quite possible the, Radon, the Rajani have m- females still. It was Li Shen who decided, you know, this particular one, uh, you know, angered me. My queen angered me, so I'm getting rid of this entire group. And then later on, he decided when he came back that he, you know... For when he came back, he wasn't he wasn't he was flesh. He came back from death. He was still flesh. He wasn't made of stone. And so he decided rather than curse of fleshing himself, you know, back into being stone, like revoking it and becoming a stone being, he decided he wanted to keep being flesh and have all the pleasures therein. So he made himself a couple new female. And we don't know how he did that exactly. Like we don't know if he carved like a couple of mogu into female bodies and then turned them to flesh. Like I don't, I don't know what what the deal was there. I don't know how, I don't know how they got rid of females in the first place, and I don't know how they brought them back. So it's never been explained. They have the anima stuff. They've got that that blood that is very clearly related to the anima we're dealing with in Shadowlands that they can use to change things. And I don't know if they use that to shape female mogu into male mogu against their will i have no concept of what's going on there we're getting into a whole you know huge swarming bag of worms here in terms of what's going on with all this there's there's another option too and and i'm actually going to pull from hearthstone on this one uh there was a card that was introduced uh a while from the, the saviors of oldham set 
so a little bit ago, uh, where it was the Mogu Flesh Shaper. And it looks a whole heck of a lot of other NPCs we've seen in the Mogu lands all throughout the time. Now, this is just adding on to the we don't know all of the Mogu. We don't know what actually existed. We don't know if maybe the, the, the female Mogu went into hiding or whatever. But I've always been fascinated with the idea that Mogu are, and canonically, flesh shapers. This is what they do. How many races have they changed? How many races have they, they sculpted and molded? We know that they can do this. We've seen the effects of what they can do. Uh, so if they can do that, why couldn't they alter themselves? So maybe it's, you know, Curse of Flesh, well, not we, a bad we know thing. That they, we ultimately know they can because that's that's what the anima is for. The, mm-hmm. the anima that we see in... You see the anima golems the inside, uh, you know, Throne of Thunder. That's exactly what they're doing. They're they're using the anima from the golems. They, they use that to make the uh, oh bloody heck, I can't remember the name. I want to say Sorok. Sorok, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they used it to make the Sorok. They used it to make the Grummels. Yes, they did. Uh, the Grummels are originally uh, trogs, trogs, and they turned them into Grummels using that same force. They could very well have done used that in some fashion but we don't know we don't know that that's what they did is all i'm saying yeah i'm just throwing joe's, it out there as an option yeah, joe's completely right that they they're flesh crafters and they totally could have flesh crafted themselves but the reason they the reason they didn't have females they they spread the rumor that it was because they just were unnecessary as they were going to go to the curse of, they were going to just you know turn themselves back to stone but that's not true it's propaganda like, that is that's propaganda Keep in mind that if you look at the original origins of all of the Titan Forge races in Azeroth, if you look at, you know, go all the way up to the original Keepers and Watchers, they have male and female Titan Forged from the beginning. Mm-hmm. They don't have just one gender. If you look at, like, you know, uh, Freya, Freya is a female. They have they have women. They have uh, the maidens, you know, like Maiden of Virtue. Uh, if you go to to uh, Ulduman, the the first one you fight is Ironaya. Again, female. They 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 have multiple ones. I mean, Freya herself. Not not Freya. Uh, Helia. Helia was a Titan Forge. She wasn't a Watcher or a Keeper, but she was a Titan Forge. She's been female this whole time. So, the idea that the the Mogu didn't need females. Like no, that's not how they the titans do things some of the titans are female they don't they don't do that 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 thing the mogu did that was lee shen and that was because he felt angered angry and slighted um because of what his queen did so yeah in terms of how it ended up happening they could very well have done it uh hmm that's that's like really interesting to think about this flesh shaping stuff though in terms of like if they use the blood or even if they have to use the blood because if you know the blood helps right and the blood is very powerful but they don't nothing says they necessarily absolutely 100% need it it might just be more complicated or they might have to draw on a different power like the Rajani might have been able to do it because you know Raden was like hey you know I got some I got some extra juice I'm not using it I'm being here being mopey go ahead the implication is that it actually is Raden's blood. Yeah, it, it absolutely. So it, you do find yourself wondering if the Brijani can do it without t- doing that because Raden is their, was their direct leader until mm-hmm. he died. I mean, the guy's dead now. Um, so yeah, it's there's a lot to it, but yeah, in general, if we wanted to have the Rajani just have female, maybe you can have a, a Rajani woman and make that the Mogu as an allied race, I don't see any reason in the game you couldn't just do that. You wouldn't need to have... There wouldn't need to be a quest to for the Rajani to, to get girls somehow. You could just have them have women. Because they didn't listen to Li Shen. They followed Raden. Uh, and plus, there's also... There's also some other ones. Like, uh, you mentioned General Zeng. Mm-hmm. Thermal Zing is female, and we see her. She's a Rajani Mogu. So it seems pretty clear that the, the Rajani have females. You know, I mean, they, they've got them right now. They're, so they didn't, 
not only do they not follow along, they're not... I'm having a hard time coming up with the proper way to put this. The Rajani are not idiots. Let's put it that way. They're not sexist jerks, and they're not led by a sexist jerk who got mad that his first wife didn't do what he wanted. She didn't she didn't agree with his decisions, so he destroyed her entire gender in a jealous rage. That's the Rajani didn't follow that. So since we've got General Zing, I don't think that there's any reason to assume that you couldn't just play a female Mogu if we had them as an allied race. We've got the model. We know exactly what they look like. They're they're playable. We we knew that what they looked like from the twin consorts, but now we've got like playable ones. Like that that certainly is something that would be possible, and I don't see any reason not to do it. I don't know if we're gonna get female Mogu, um, or in fact playable Mogu, because you know there's a lot. I don't. There's no allied races being added that I know of in Shadowlands as of right now. At least yet. That may change. Nothing might change, yeah, but nothing is starting with them. And I mean, I'm just going to kick it out there that, uh, you know, hey, Pidia, I think you're onto something because uh, anima using races in an anima fo- animus focused expansion. Hmm. Yeah, and I absolutely would, I would think that would be interesting to, to see that dealt with. Absolutely, because there's a lot of connotations uh, and a lot of things that could be very interesting for story. Um, our next question comes from Erhan. I am sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Uh, question for either the Q or Blizzard Watch podcast. Does the Shadowlands Alpha seem longer than usual? From what I remember, Alpha that's bigger than friends and family is usually fairly short. Then they move on to beta while expanding access. Right now, it feels like Alpha is still smaller uh, than their betas tend to be, but there isn't an NDA. Or maybe Alpha is bigger than I realize, uh, since we don't have numbers to know for sure. Well, yeah, I can't tell you how many people are in the Alpha. I see people when I'm playing. Uh, I can't say the Alpha is bigger than previous Alphas. I was in the Alpha for Battle for Azeroth as well, uh, and I felt... I felt, in terms of its length, I mean, I felt like Battle for Azeroth stayed in Alpha for a f- fairly long time. I think it did, yeah. Uh, and when it went into Beta, it was a very quiet gear shifting. It wasn't like a huge announcement. Now we're in Beta. I mean, just kind of... I think they did, in fact, tell people that Beta's open, but all that happened was more people came in. It didn't It didn't really feel like they'd made a huge ch- gear change. Right now on the on the Alpha... You can you can test all four of the leveling zones plus the more intro experience, and you can test the new one to ten experience, the the new island. That's in fact what you see if you're watching the stream live. My the the night elf I have there is just standing on the boat, waiting for me to actually do that experience, which I'm not going to do because I've done it already. But that's that's there too. There's quite a bit to test. Part of the problem with this is there's a lot to test. It isn't just... They need people to just level from from like 10 to, to 50. Because they need people to test all those leveling experiences. Keep in mind that every previous expansion is now a 10 to 50 leveling zone. Or series of leveling zones. And that needs testing. Because they're squishing mm-hmm. everything. And they're, everything's now scaling. And so you need to know, okay, how does this work? Can you still go back and do older content once you hit 50? Um, Like, how does that work? All that stuff needs to be tested. And I think that's the larger factor with how this feels like a length of time and also why the alpha feels longer. Because usually alphas, like you've pointed out, are a little more focused in a smaller group of people. And right now, unlike a lot of the other uh, alpha to beta transitions we've seen before releases of the expansions, this is at a point where... Because of these systems, they really need to focus on players that are going to give feedback and not just people that want to play for the sake of playing or get an early jump on stuff to understand what's going on. So they're hoping, uh, this is my guess, is that they're hoping that keeping it small, keeping it in this position as it is right now, is more about getting that feedback that, that Matt's talking about 
to make sure they're balancing properly versus getting hype for the game or anything like that. Because you have to appreciate exactly how many things they're changing for this expansion. How many things are, are, are going to be, you know, shifted around the leveling experiences, characters in general, uh, the new character creation thing, which we just spent the entire pre-show going over. Uh, and then making it all fit together, the, the scalable world, all of that stuff all takes time and all needs player feedback. Because I can tell you as somebody who has developed things in the past, you could think you plan for everything. You never will because an end user will find a new and unique way to break it. And you want to make sure they tell you about it so that you can unbreak it. And if they don't tell you about it, it's just bad. <laughs> so that's why I think you're, you're seeing this as an, a longer alpha. It's definitely very, there's a lot to look at. It's very comprehensive. I don't think I've offered feedback on half the stuff I could have because there's just so much stuff. And it, you, it, some of it, the feedback isn't always, this is broken, by the way. Sometimes your feedback is, this works, but, you know, it feels like this. Yep. Um, a lot of the feedback I've given in the past is, this feels like this. Yeah, like one of the things that I noticed when we were first doing our, our stuff, when the only zone that was open was Bastion, we ran a dungeon... And I switched from my warrior tank to a death knight tank at one point because my warrior tank was just getting destroyed. My death knight tank had an extra 10k health. Now, I couldn't say that was a bug because I didn't know if it was a bug. I don't know if death knights are just supposed to have a ton more health. But I could say, and I did say, okay, on the death knight, I can tank this easy because I, I'm just not going to die. Like I have 10k more health to go with. Keep in mind that at this level, it's the difference between having 15k health and 25k health. Because that's what the level 50 to 53 tanks have. Because we were squished down. If it, it, it feels enormous. It's an enormous difference. But that's not necessarily a bug. I can't tell you that that's broken or not the way they intended it. I can't say whether or not it is intended, it feels like this. That's a lot of feedback that's going to be given in this in this situation because that's another thing that has to be tested and experienced. The, we've never had a level squish in WoW before. Not like this. No, we, we've literally never had a level squish. We've had item level squishes. We, this is literally going down yeah. to level 50 from level 120. And that's just numbers on the one hand, but you have to balance them so the numbers feel right, so your character feels right despite that change. Well, and I, more or less, they have. I was going to say, you have to give a report to. I was going to say, like, just imagine. Remember when they only gave us five levels instead of ten levels to go between uh, during an expansion, and how even that took time because they had to make sure that it felt right, uh, and that wasn't that wasn't squishing levels. That was just slowing down how many you got and then balancing accordingly, and that still took a ton of time. So, like. Yeah, this is this is a wild new territory for what they're doing, and it's going to take a while. All right, our next question. Hi, watchers. Long-term listener here, or long-time listener here. Uh, I've had a starter account since the Legion prepatch and built up a whole roster of level 20 alts, about 80% alliance. I bought the game a few months ago and leveled my main up pretty quickly, just doing a zone or two each expansion. Since then, I've spent most of my time grinding BFA stuff. When Shadowland hits, my army of alts will be conveniently at about level 10, and I was wondering what alliance races and classes you think would fit the lore and themes of each expansion. Some are pretty obvious. My human DK will be leveling through Wrath. My Pandaren Monk will obviously be doing Mists. What's a suitable choice for Cataclysm, for Legion, and the rest? Would love to hear your opinions on this. Uh, also, old players will have the option to choose between Exile's Reach and the racial starting zones, as well as the choice of which expansion to level from 10 to 50 in, choices which were, are not available to new players. Do we know what flags an account as an old account? I imagine that having a level 120 would do it, but is there any official word on it? Thanks, and keep doing what you do. You truly help provide a diversion during these trying times. Uh, will Aaron, Human Warrior. I can tell you that having a what will be a level fifty character does do it, because when I had my when I started in the alpha, and I had a level fifty character, then it it, it it let me go through Exiles Reach once, and then it started giving me the option. So, I think you're going to be fine. Uh, you can you'll be able to pick. Uh, I can't say for sure, 
that you need to have a, a max level character for that. Like maybe it'll just let you because you've done it a bunch of times. Like even if you have like a say a whole bunch of level twenty characters, maybe they'll be like, oh well, you've done this already. I don't know, but I do know that having a max level character absolutely seemed to to give me the option. Keep in mind, of course, this is on the alpha. In terms of, like, I mean, I feel weird about just advising you on, on, on Alliance characters, because there are certain Horde characters I'd absolutely, like, recommend. Like, for instance, Blood Elves, I would totally say Blood Elves, do BC on Blood Elves. But Legion, if you're gonna, if you're looking for a specific Alliance race to play through, I'm going to tell you Night Elf, because I played Legion on a Night Elf, and it felt really connected. Especially since you've got Azuna, yep. and then you've got Suramar. At once you hit level max level, you've got the Suramar stuff to do, and then I mean, even the stuff that isn't Night Elf related, like for instance, if you're when you're doing Stormheim on a Night Elf, you come to a point where you meet up with a certain character who's got two Ravens, and those Ravens do not like you as a Night Elf because the Ravencrest family who you meet in Azuna stole something from them. Mm-hmm. And they remember it. So there's cool little moments. There's a lot of Night Elf stuff in this expansion. I mean, between the Demon Hunters, between, like, you know, like Azuna itself, between the fact that there's, like, a couple of zones where, you, like, Ashara is involved and it's very heavily Night Elf related and the Sundering related, I'd say Night Elves are a really good choice for, uh, for Legion. For Cataclysm, I mean,. It could be anybody, really. I mean, it's the world's I, getting blown up. But I, I've got two for for Cataclysm that I think fit really, really well. Okay. Dwarf Shaman for Cataclysm for me is the quintessential class race combination. Not just because I'm a shaman, but because of everything that's happening during Cataclysm: the world being in upheaval, the elements going haywire, the world changing, everything happening, and dwarves feel uniquely connected in my mind, to everything that happens in Cataclysm. Uh, if you ever read The the, sh uh, the Shattering, that pretty much sets the stage in my brain for everything that happens there. Uh, so much of that story, so much of what happens in Cataclysm involves the dwarves and having them be shamanistic at that time, or, or I think that's also when they introduce mages, uh, but it feels super connected to that expansion. The other one is actually Torn Paladins for the same reason. The world is, is crying. The world is splitting. The, wor the world is in danger. So what do the Torn do? They take up arms. They take up arms in worship of, you know, essentially the, the, the sun. Uh, it's light, but it's them. It's, it's not a, an earthly body, which is completely different than everything we've seen from Torrin up to this point. They've always been so connected to the Earth Mother and so connected to the elements and so connected to everything that's happening on this this terrestrial form uh, that when they start going to the Paladins, they're evolving. They're becoming more, I don't want to say warrior like because they've had warriors, but they're, it, it's... It's more about protecting and looking for other things besides just the Earth Mother. And both of those experiences to me in Cataclysm were defining. So those are my picks for that. Fair. Um, I already did BC, so and you did Wrath already. You, you suggested who you'd want for Wrath. So Mists you covered. For Warlords, I mean, if you're doing Horde, and I know you didn't say anything about Horde, but if you were going to do Horde, I mean, Warlords is a good time to go Orc. Oh, yeah. Uh, orc anything. But I also think Warlords is a really great expansion to play on a Draenei. Yes. And I played a Draenei as my main in Warlords, and I, I felt so moved by the experience, even though there's plenty of stuff about Warlords that people didn't like. Uh, a lot of that, I think, was actually the end game, because it felt like the content was, was really sparse on the ground more than anything else. I don't think it was that it was bad. I think it was that it was like, okay, I've been playing this for a year and we just now got the second tier of rating sort of, sort of feeling. In terms of the story, though, you play a Draenei, I was so affected by my Draenei coming to a world where his people weren't slaughtered and helping to stop it from happening again, even though it's different people, it's a different world, it still felt like, you know, I couldn't imagine him moving on from it. I couldn't imagine him leaving to go back. 
Like I thought, no, he's going to stay here. I retired him to that to Warlords. He's living in his garrison. He does not leave. He is not going back to whatever happened in the years since with the Maghar. That stuff is thirty years in his future. He is living on that in that Draenor. That's his retirement. And I left him there because it felt so moving in a way. Like you see the whole thing with Marad. You see the Yorel story. Shadowmoon Valley, just the way it opens and the way you, as a, if you're playing a Draenei, it's just. You go from Shadowmoon Valley and Velen's death, and because it's a different Velen, but whatever. You see Velen die. You move into the uh, Tanan, you know, not Tanan, um, Talador. Yeah, you, you yep. do that whole zone. You you see like you know all the stuff that the, the Draenei are doing in that game, the way that they they're surviving, the way that their lives are different, and it's just such an it's such an emotional thing. I I would argue that the Draenei story is better than the Orc story in Warlords of Draenor. Yeah, because the, the orc story does feel kind of unfinished. Yeah. Whereas in a way the, that the Draenei one doesn't. The Draenei is just, it's an experience, and I think it is a, uh, like you said, it's a moving experience. And I'm saying this as a predominantly horde player. Like, when I go back through that expansion, I like to take an alliance, I like to take a Draenei through it. Like, that, it's just better, in my opinion. So. I mean, there's, there's the moment when you basically realize. Like, I mean, you, your character has just done the impossible. They've saved their people. They have seen their people come through. Their people have survived all those deaths. I mean, there's like, the, the term decimation means one out of ten people died. This isn't a decimation because maybe one out of ten people survived. And it's probably close to one out of twenty people survived. The Drenai were slaughtered. So many of them were killed that their bodies are made into a road. The, the path of glory in our outland is, is paved with Draenei bones. It actually has the model. You can go look at it in-game. It's yeah. literally bones. So, compare that to the one in Warlords of Draenor, where your Draenei, sure, they, they suffer. They're attacked by the Iron Horde. They're put on the back foot, but they, they aren't wiped out. They aren't slaughtered. And you, you go in and you make sure that they continue. You stop the Iron Horde. You stop the Fell Horde. You preserve your world and those people. And sure, they're not your people, but it's like you got a second. Like, you understand why Murad wanted to go. You understand why Murad was willing to die. Because it was like he got his second chance. And he, got, he died, but he, he got what he wanted to have. He got to, to, to fix it this time. This time it's not gonna they're not all gonna die. This time these people are gonna live. And it's it is a really moving story. So I would definitely say Draenei for Warlords of Draenor. And I Joe and I are I think we're in agreement. Oh, for Legion, we've covered Legion for uh, Night Elves. For I mean it really depends on what you, if you're playing an allied race, like Nightborn, I'd I'd do Legion on a Nightborn if I were Horde. Uh, if I weren't doing an allied race, I mean uh, honestly, I almost want to say Forsaken just so Forsaken get to do something. Uh, for for a race that you you'd think this is my problem with Battle for Azeroth too, going into Battle for Azeroth as Horde, you'd want to say Forsaken, but Forsaken don't really get to do a lot in Battle for Azeroth. You know, I mean, they get their city taken away from them, and then they get the stuff they took from the other faction taken away from them, and they end up losing everything. They lose Undercity. They lose the battle at Stromgard. They lose the battle in Darkshore. So, if you play Forsaken, you basically lose. You lose Sylvanas. You lose Undercity. You lose a lot. So, I'm not sure. I would say if it's up, if that's the story you want to play, great. But I think for for Battle for Azeroth, I'd probably almost play Kaltaren and Zandalar. Yeah, I mean they they seem to fit the best there. I mean, Forsaken, I, I know that you already covered the Death Knights with Wrath, but I think Wrath also fits for Forsaken quite a bit. Oh, yeah, Le Forsaken get to finally get some revenge. Yeah. Like, that's a massive thing, right? I and mean, so for all the putrists, you know, isn't really Forsaken at the end there, but that part where he says, you, do you think we had forgotten? Do you think we had forgiven? That's a, that's a spine-tangling moment. And I think it's very good for Forsaken. 
All right, but I think that actually takes us right up to time. Wow, we we talked a lot today. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your questions answered on the podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, thank you very much, Joe. Uh, again, guys, if you've got a question, you can either get it to us via our Discord. We've actually got two channels, and I forgot one of them. I feel bad about that. We've got the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel, which is for patrons. Uh, that gets looked at first because that's the whole point of having being a patron. We, we pay attention to your questions. And uh, there's also the, the just straight-up Q questions channel, which we look at as well for podcast questions. Um, so you can put them there as well. Or you can email them to us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Again, subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch, because Joe and I can only, you know, do so many Chris Mafe duels in a week uh, to determine <laughs> who gets which question. And, you know, um, quite frankly, right. I'm way better at fighting in a loincloth with, with a Chris Knife. I, I yeah, and my, and my still suit's out of batteries, so I'm kind of yeah, kind of boned. So, uh, at any rate, though, guys, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we will be back again next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.